welcome back to another edition of Scoreline Extra with myself Sinead Kyo. If you missed any of our sporting conversations over the weekend, we've got you covered with the latest edition of Scoreline Extra, the podcast that brings you the best highlights from Scoreline's on-air outings every Saturday and Sunday. On this week's edition of Scoreline Extra, you can listen back to interviews with Carlo's LGFA Secretary Donald Nolan on their Mother's Day fundraising efforts. Kilkenny City Harriers PRO Perry Williams also stops by to give us an update on local athletics. We also hear from Formula spy writer Emer Hederman on the pre-season movings in Formula One. We also get some post-match reaction from Niall Crew, Jordan Murphy and Dara Foley after Carlo's great win in Netwatch Dr Cullen Park last night. We also hear from Rat Downey chairman Tim Barry who discusses the need for courses around substance use and gambling for all GAA players. I also caught up with Siobhan O'Connor on the Camogie Association's Players Leaflet that focuses on injury prevention. You'll also hear from David Roach of Roach Injury Clinic. David Jones was back with us again to talk all things fitness and health. Old Lachlan clubman Bart Gilmartin on winning the LGFA's Club Coach of the Year. And finally, Kilkenny's LGFA PRO, Alina Byrne, on claiming the PRO of the Year award. First up, we have Carlo LGFA Secretary Donald Nolan. We're uh, having having our first annual event of the Carlo LGFA Mother's Day draw. So it's starting. It'll be on uh, the Facebook Live at 1 p.m. on Mother's Day, and the tickets are being distributed through our uh, county teams and our development teams. We have over probably over 120 uh, players involved in in county teams in Carlo in, in ladies football. So we want to try and. Uh, Promote ladies football and obviously finance uh, finance the promotion of the games in, within Carlo. So to that end, I suppose we have uh, gone to local companies and an awful lot of local companies are very good to us. We have our own, uh, you know, our main partners, we'll say through Carlo uh, LGFA, our main partners for the county team would be John Moore and the Moore team in, in, in Moore Environmental in Carlo. Um, and we'd have other other uh, sponsors as well. So John McGrath in, in TE Labs in Tullow would be a sponsor of our adult uh, adult leagues and uh, our minor partner would be a uh, minor uh, team partner would be Donald McNally and and his team in IT Carlo and they have been very good to us as regards giving us you know facilities and and and, and looking after us anytime we need we needed pitchers pitches or whatever uh, for our uh, our minor teams um, so for the actual draw itself. Um, we have some fantastic prizes there. So we have a first prize of a thousand euro holiday voucher, and I think uh, after the times we've been all through, uh, everyone is looking forward to getting away on holidays. So we have uh, Joe Tully has come in and helped us out on on that holiday voucher. That's a thousand euro voucher first prize. Uh, second prize then we have a five hundred euro hotel voucher for Seafield Hotel in Gorey, and uh, we have a, a connection there through Marion Hayden in. Uh, from Aero Og, who is a former player and a current referee in Carlo. So, yeah, there are two great prizes to start off. And then the third prize then is through uh, Joe Brown. Joe Brown is, uh, does skincare and diffusers and all the kind of uh, uh, pampering stuff. And Joe Brown is based out of Hackettstown in Carlo. So, again, they're all, all, all local support we're getting here for, the, uh, for our local girls. And we're delighted, we're delighted to have them on, 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 on board with us. Um, so that's the first three prizes, I suppose. After that, then we have uh, we have uh, two three month memberships in Talbot Hotel in Carlo. 
We have a fifth prize of 10 sessions with uh, Brian Kerwin, who is a, a personal trainer in Hype Fitness, which is out there on the Deer Park Business Complex out in the Dublin Road there opposite MSD. So Brian has been very good to come in there. And then uh, we have a sixth prize then of uh, two uh, spa day vouchers again in, in, in Seafield Hotel and Spa down in Gorey. So they're, they're all fantastic prizes and we're uh, really looking forward to getting it up and going. And while a lot of people may be interested in the prizes, they may also be interested in just raising funds for Carlo LGFA. How important are fundraisers to keep clubs and football in Carlo going, particularly after COVID, when there was scamp opportunity to raise funds due to the restrictions? Exactly. You know, there hasn't been many uh, opportunities for... uh for um, you know, making money on gate receipts or whatever. So you know, like we do get some uh, central support through Croke Park, through Sport Ireland. But um, you know, we really need uh, we need finances to be able to keep keep uh, promoting Gaelic games in uh, for ladies in Carlo. Listen, you know, the way we look at it is, you know, we want to offer offer girls the same opportunities as boys are being offered uh, across uh, across Gaelic games. And, and we're delighted, really. You know, we're delighted with the support we get, support we get from. You know, from Carlo GA to Ron Dempsey and Jim Bulger there in 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 Carlo GA and, and all the team there. They you know they really they really look after us and uh, and you know. But like we have our, we have to look after our own side of things and we have to um, we have to promote the games as much as we can. And we have you know we have a great development as regards number of clubs we have in Carlo. We now we've over fifteen clubs in Carlo with a new club coming on last year, Fighting Cox. And it's you know it's brilliant. There is it's 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 one of the the fastest growing sport in the, in the country and it's you know this popularity the popularity of the game is is really going through the roof you know and what does the money then go towards exactly we know that like travelling is a, is a big thing as well for for um, any type of GEA club especially an inter-county GEA club so what does the money go towards yeah, I suppose we have to look after our team. So we'd say, uh, from a county point of view, like, like all the county teams need to be properly togged out. They need to be able to get to get to matches properly. And now that we're able to go back on buses again, you know that the players are are cared for and and, and given the proper environment and you know all the all the kind of uh, support that's needed there. Like if we need to get um, you know nutritional advice and that for any of our uh, for adult teams or even our even our underage teams, uh, different things of that that need to be paid for like obviously Kate and, and, and you know the basics like footballs and all that but that all has to be that all has to be paid for and the money has to come from somewhere but you know we have been very well supported here in Carlo and like I said there are lots of Carlo companies that do come in and help us there like we have Paul O'Brien there and Supermax there out on the on the on the Dublin Road as well. He he would uh, he would uh, contribute towards our juvenile competitions and and uh, Willie Rath and the Rath family there in Chalk Dolman would would be another good a good supporter of Carlo Ladies Football. And we actually have a new a new uh, supporter just come on board, a new partner that's David Woods with Woods Contract Cleaner. So he's come on board as well. You know, I, I think I think people that are close to the close to the game they see they see where their money is being spent and they see how 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 they're you know they're getting something back as regards promotion as. Well, you know, through through ladies football, through its profile, the profile of ladies football has obviously raised a lot in the past the past number of years, and our own our own adult team was uh, within a kick of a ball of making a, an All Ireland Junior Final uh, last year, beaten with a, a in, in extra time against Antrim. So you know. 
things are developing Carlo Ladies football and we're happy to see and we think it's we think it's heading the right direction you know and and getting back to the football you know we've we've waxed lyrical about that defeat as well to Antrim and we've been speaking to Ed Burke there recently and we've cleaning the she on and and many different people in regards to that but looking forward now to this season a disappointing league defeat to Offaly last weekend but there's a big game in Netwatch Cullen Park tomorrow against London that's correct. London are travelling over now. London haven't been involved for the past couple of years, obviously with with COVID. But it's uh, it's fantastic to have them back again. Now they're coming. They're coming to play us in in what's Cullen Park tomorrow. Um, so so that's a it's an important game for Carlo. You know, with the in the league because we have we have Limerick then probably two weeks later that later again up in in Netwatch Cullen Park again. So you know, it, it, another side of that is for us is is to have the games the games. Where, the, uh, where our ladies are playing in that what's Cullen Park is, is fantastic as well because it, again that helps to promote promote the game uh, our younger players can see our adult players playing in the in, in the home of Carlo football and you know you know we do appreciate that you know that is uh, it's a great it's a great opportunity for them and for, and for Carlo ladies football and you can get some type of retribution for the men's team losing to London as well so that might be on yeah. your mind but do you think that the league Hopefully. is yeah do you think that the league though is more about unearthing and bloody new players like the males team rather than focusing too much on results considering the new management team in place Ah, yeah, it is. It is a little bit for us this year as well now, because you know, with a new management team there, you know, they are trying different things. They're trying to change the culture, trying to change the style of play. You know, that doesn't happen just in one game. That takes that takes a period of time. Like, really, realistically, it's probably a two-year project. And 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 the management team are are really really focused now, and they're, and they're putting in huge work there. Obviously, cleaning the cleaning the shade is, is a huge loss. Like as uh, top scorer in the in the junior championship last year, and you know, she's an absolutely fantastic athlete and we we wish her well on her on her recovery from her injury she's had her operation now so hopefully she's back on the road to recovery I know it's a it's a it's a long road or feels like a long road when you're on the sideline but uh, it'll, it'll be brilliant when we have her back next year again and just in general on the the football front you mentioned the club scene as well last year's county final was streamed online got a great reaction and a really good crowd how important is it to keep building on the work done in the past to see the sport grow uh, it's very important. Like you know, you know, we're like a number of people on the county board. Like at, at, at the county board at the moment would be, you know, the majority of people on it are ladies. You know, and uh, like it's obviously it's a ladies game, and uh, you know the likes of Kathleen Mullins has been there for years uh, promoting ladies football in Carlow when it wasn't necessarily as high profile as as it is now. Kathleen and Fran Mullins would have been uh, would have would have kept the kept the flag aloft there for many years. So you know we're just picking up from where where they have left off you know and, and and we're trying to trying to do our best I suppose to keep to keep the game going and to keep the game promoted but it's I'll be honest it's easy to promote the game in Carlo now because it's so popular our under 12s and under 14 numbers are they're through the roof now you know they've they've really really grown in the past couple of years so you know this is where the money goes is to making sure that all those players the younger players have have uh, have the opportunities, to, you know, to go and play as many games as possible, to 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 go and make friends. You know, underage, it's very important for twelve and thirteen year old girls, like you know, to make friends when they go and play football. And it is, you know, it's it, it's a challenge for us, and that's and that's the that is the challenge that we can we can like that we need to step up to to make sure that we can 
for, provide all the facilities, hence needing so, to do some fundraising. Like this, is, this will be an annual fundraiser. So I think it's nice that as a ladies' football association that we are, uh, you know, tying in with Mother's Day as well. And it's, you know, today that law is beyond the calendar and people will be aware of it. So hopefully when they think of Mother's Day, not only about thinking of their mother, they'll think of, uh, they'll think of the draw and hopefully, and hopefully support the draw. And, uh, and, and I, think, I think they will see, you know, local people will see where the money goes and it's, it's been well spent. There's no money being wasted. It's, it's been well spent and we're, uh, we're, really, we're really excited about the draw, to be honest. Well, Donald, uh, thanks very much for taking the time to speak to us today. Just quickly, before we have to let you off, you mentioned the, the words tie-in. A lot of talk has been said about the amalgamation of the LGFA, Camogie Association and, indeed, the GAA. The game tomorrow being at Netwatch Cullen Park, last year's county final in IT Carlow. Do you think it's going to happen sooner rather than later? Um. You know, it's been it's been talked about for a number of years, and I I think it will happen eventually. But I it's like it's like any any of those type of amalgamations that uh, they need to be done correctly. That you know that that as each organisation still has still has a voice, and 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 we say no organisation we say gets just subsumed into a into a bigger organisation and, and and disappears and loses their voice. So no, I I I, I do hope it will happen. Listen, we're all. We're all trying to do the same thing, promoting Gaelic games, and uh, I think we're all we're all um, on the same on the same philosophy, if you like. So hopefully, hopefully it does happen. It, it may take another year or two. I don't know, but um, actually, actually, uh, actually, Shane, just when I'm on, I just want to wish uh, Neve Dobbs well. She's recovering from an illness there at the moment. She Neve is a, is one of our Leinster delegates on, in Carlow LGFA, and uh, we just want to wish her well in her recovery. Uh, best of luck to Neve and indeed to Kleena, as you said earlier. Well, indeed. thanks very much for taking the time, Donald. Uh, once again, Carlo LGFA are holding a fundraiser on Mother's Day, the 27th of March, to help raise funds for the development of ladies' football in the county. You can go check everything out on social media, and we'll have it up on scoreline.ie during the week. Donald, thanks very much. Absolute gentleman. We also heard from Kilkenny Athletic Harriers PRO Perry Williams. There was a lot of muck, there was a lot of wind, there was a lot of rain. <laughs> and beyond that, I think we saw glimpses of races. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the conditions, I was up there myself in Santry on Wednesday and the conditions were absolutely awful. And as the day went on, I mean, it started at about 12 o'clock, but by the time they got to the senior races at around maybe what time was it, about 20 past two, um, it was pretty much stormy weather. Oh, wow. Uh, so much so that they had to actually um, cut back a bit on the races. Yeah. They had to dismantle part of the course because it was getting dangerous and as a consequence the senior ladies um, who should have had three and a half thousand actually ended up with 1500 metres oh, wow. so that was to the favour of some athletes yeah. but not necessarily to the favour of those who really do thrive on the longer distances so yeah the conditions were very very bad um, we started off with the minor girls. Um, great run by Claude O'Callaghan. She was racing for the Prez. Claude normally competes for um, KCH. She was third. Now, Claude would be a true cross-country runner. Um, so she was in her element sliding over the muck and that, you know, because it was mucky. Um, and then uh, she was backed up by Katie um, and Amy O'Shea, who are, as you mentioned, they're from Thomastown and they were both competing for the Prez. So literally, I mean, it's three per team for the girls, four for the boys. So the presentation ran away with... Um, 
with the team price. Um, and you'd have Evelyn McAvoy then, you know, for for um, Loretto. Unusually, she was the sole Loretto person because generally, I suppose, in Kilkenny, you would have Loretto being the strong um, team of the girls and then Kieran's being the strong team of the boys. But I suppose there's just a different cohort of a balance in um, in athletics in Kilkenny at the moment where that Thomastown cohort are very, very strong and they all tend to go to the press. So it just really, you know, it's not that Loretto is brilliant and, and press is brilliant. It depends on where the athletes sure. go to school, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, the minor boys then, Kieran's, um, who would always have been very dominant in the boys. They've won the Leinster's Cups outright for the for the last number of years. Um they were second in the um, the boys minor boys um, and they had a brilliant run by Dan Carroll um, who was Gorn and um, yeah he finished second individual so that was two Kilkenny teams from day w- from the first two races pretty, pretty good going a good good numbers overall from Kilkenny in general or? Um, yeah I mean they, they have to qualify through the South Leinsters so they're like, I mean the South Leinsters I mean Kilkenny got whether it's Kieran CBS Loretto or the Prez they would have medalled in every single team race right oh, wow. through okay. so except the inter boys for some strange reason mm. um, so they yeah they are sorry the junior boys they, they're they very very strong in Kilkenny and cross country and they would dominate the South Leinsters year in year out um, this year then in the um, as teams go um, in the junior girls um, the Preds got second and again you're talking about some Thomastown athletes there um, and, and you know a mixture of KCH athletes as well the inter was a little disappointing Pointing, I suppose, um, in terms of schools, there wasn't any Kilkenny school meddled in the inter boys or the inter girls, so that would be very, very unusual. Um, it would have been an indi- down to the individual run for Billy Coogan. He was eighth, and that qualified him for the um, the All Irelands. Sorry, just going back to the minor girls, I forgot to mention Hazel Coogan was thirteenth, so she qualified as an individual there as well. Then it came to the senior boys. Um, I suppose you know the girls did well. Loretto won the team prize. Um, Hannah Kyo was fourth and um, you know the, the, the Loretto team consisted of um, Maeve, Maeve Richardson um, Hannah Kyo and um, you know they were backed up by three or four other strong girls um, Isabella Burke was the third scorer there so um, yeah they, they had a good run probably you know in terms of where the girls finished they probably would have benefited a little bit more from the longer distance certainly in terms of Isabel Burke and, and Maeve Richardson definitely and Hannah's good at kind of 1500s 3000 so she would she would have been fairly okay either way um, but definitely look they won the team prize so it doesn't really matter they're all going to the All-Irelands the boys then were very unfortunate in the sense that at this stage I suppose it was peak storm weather um, the muck was absolutely atrocious I mean just even as a, a spectator crossing from one side of the course to the other it was like for the spectator grounds it was you're picking your steps you oh, know wow. it was very very bad um, the gun failed then as well don't know what that's to do with the storm but the gun failed and there was a little bit of confusion at the start and then unfortunately Brogan McAvenny from Kieran's College um, was coming down towards the finish and the starter the, the guys were all saying look hang on hang on and next thing the starter fired the gun but it didn't fire you just heard a small sound which was the click and everybody went away so you know what would be Kieran's second or third scorer ended up missing the race yeah. well he didn't miss it completely he got his spikes on and he, but he was 800 metres behind yeah. now look he did phenomenally to get up to 52nd and 
actually be the fourth scorer for Kieran's. So in terms of that, like he should be very proud of the race he had and how he caught up. But that that puts you under immense pressure, it, and that, yeah. that changes your plan entirely. And it totally does because this team actually won the Leinster since they were minor, so it kind of completely put them off kilter. Um, my own son David Williams was was seventh, good race. Um, so he's through to Belfast, and unfortunately, you know, um, he's the only one from that team this year, which is extremely unusual. But look, I mean, it was what it was on the day. It, it suits some, it doesn't suit others. Um, the conditions, as I said, were absolutely atrocious between, I mean, I, I know talking to the guys afterwards and the girls, they were saying like even the warm up was horrendous when they were warming up for a race. You're just facing into a wind and you, you were going nowhere. Is, is that just something, not, not knowing an awful lot about the cross country side of things, is that just something that you have to take in your stride or is there a line that you get to when you go, okay, do you know what, this, this event just, we need to put the brakes on it? I think generally, um, whether it's summer or winter, there's a very sort of small chance that, <coughs> negligible chance actually, that events are cancelled. And it's only when it's in the interest of health and safety. And with the storms that were forecast for the southwest and the southern part of the country today, um, I think that's that's when you have to say, look, we can't do it. And particularly now, maybe if maybe if the um, the monsters were held in Washford. It may not have been as bad as West Cork, so it just it just depends, I suppose, on on what the forecast is and you know the dangers associated. Look, if thunder and lightning is forecast all day, you're not going to hold it. If it's just wind and rain, you are going to hold it. We've raced in all Ireland's in Derry one year where it was snowing and they didn't cancel the All-Irelands. Unfortunately, the snow started at half seven the morning of the race. So anybody who was going up the, sorry, sorry, the night before the race, the day before the race, anyone who left early, because <clears throat> a lot of people were going Christmas shopping in the north sure, at that stage, yeah, yeah. they got to the All-Irelands. And it was held even with the snow. And, you know, people were coming in with sweat frozen on their face. Um, but in, And that was an extreme circumstance sure. and they didn't cancel it but okay. because it wasn't in the interest of safety. Yeah. So when uh, when does Belfast happen? So Belfast is on the 12th of March. It's in Molusk, so that's north of Belfast. So, yeah, it's a long way up. But, you know, you take that with a grain of salt in the sure. sense that it rotates around the provinces. Yeah. And then the um, CIP International will be picked for... Um, for intermediate and junior races um, seniors doesn't senior and minor don't count for the CIP and that'll be in Wales so you know we have a good chance for you know Billy Coogan made that team as a junior you know he would probably hope to make that team yeah. um, so um, and that would be our only chance in terms of the, the Leinster schools um, it would be Billy yeah. the main one uh, When you were in with us last week you had touched on the, the Be All Irelands um, that were taking place it would have been Sunday Sunday gone anything stirring from there? Yeah we we had some great results there. Um, Be All Ireland's are a developmental race. Um, they've traditionally been very, very um, good for athletes who maybe need a little bit of confidence or who have um, who've possibly maybe not done as well as they expected in the All Ireland's or missed the All Ireland's through injury or whatever. Um, so they're definitely what you'll always see with the Be All Ireland's is that kids who do well in the Be All Ireland's now have a good chance of doing fairly well in the A All Ireland's in November, December. So uh, Kilkenny had some good success. We had um, team prizes as a county in seven out of the eight events. So that brings the confidence of the county back up again because we didn't perform as well 
well um, in the All-Irelands this year as we would normally do. Part of that is due to COVID, clubs getting things together again. I think results were just dispersed over everywhere uh, rather than one place dominating. Um, Quiva Phelan of St. Sennans, um, she uh, she won. Uh, Quiva had surgery last October and missed the entire um, cross-country season. Uh, she was back training in January and yeah, I mean, she's just been coming along nicely now. So her winning probably wouldn't be a surprise to me as, mm. as a coacher and hopefully she'll gain further confidence and strength now as she goes into the schools. Then we had um, some good running by um, uh, a little Goran girl, Emily O'Keefe, her first year competition in kind of championship level. She was third, um, which was really, really good for her. And then we also had a third place by Garod Long from St. Sennans. So pr- productive productive day and productive weekend. Yeah, and Goran got a third place uh, team as well in yeah. the underwinds and Thomastown had a team prize as well. So, yeah. Good, very productive. Day. Uh, tell me this, and we, we've been we've been chatting about this kind of uh, off mic over the weeks, um, and and diverting away from from the Kilkenny side of things. How do you see Molly Scott going? Um, Molly Scott is having a tremendous year. She was in the university championships there a few weeks ago and actually broke the Irish record. Mm. She came very close to it in the heat, and then, you know, in the final, she broke the Irish senior sixty meter record. I mean, she's just running amazing in Astrava. Then, you know, if, uh, a week or two later, she. Uh, she she won the 60 metres yeah. again and she beat an Olympic finalist so that was a very very significant victory for her um, she's got some obviously the county the, sorry the All-Ireland Seniors is coming up in two weeks time and the end of the month and you know she's going to be obviously targeting again another fast time for that so she's also qualified as a result of her time in the universities as she's also qualified for the um, World Indoor Championships which would be a significant move for her to have an individual in the 60 metres for the World Indoors um, you know and I suppose look she, she's doing 60 metres it's for a sprinter 60 metres is a big difference between 60 and 100 in the outdoors but I suppose it's like everything it's like a 1500 metre using an 800 metre to gain the speed she can only gain from what she's doing indoors when she goes to the outdoors and actually unusually just in terms of Carlo athletes there unusually uh, last week we had um, Mark English who uh, won uh, 400 metres and second to him was Marcus Lawler so you know 400 metres wouldn't be his usual distance Yeah, yeah. Um, you know it was decent enough time 47 uh, seconds um, you know not far behind Ma- or Mark English quite a good race actually yeah. so you know does this mean Marcus is moving up into the 400 certainly means there's a consideration that he's going to try it anyhow Okay. Is, it, is that usually an indicator I mean would you be watching for for things like that with races or do you see you know maybe it's just a case of going ah sure I'll give that one a try well I think if you're going to try something you do it in um, some of these I suppose non-championship events mm. like the, in, the there was an indoor live meet Wednesday um, the previous week it was the uh, Athletics Ireland indoor game so they're the kind of events that you try that sort of thing in because you have nothing to lose sure, yeah. I mean Marcus has done very well over 200 um, his mother Patricia would have done something like that as well in her day she would have tried 400 occasionally maybe it works out maybe it doesn't but those sort of lower key events are the ones that you you try something like that out in Okay good to know um, What are we looking at then what's on your horizon for the next kind of week or two or are things are things quiet again at the minute oh, Nothing's ever quiet <laughs> no, no, no. Oh no no <laughs> There's so much coming up Oh gosh no I mean we don't have anything hugely significant this weekend but it would have been the schools all this week but you know as I mentioned there the National Seniors are the weekend after 
after next mm. so you know that's less than well it's, it's a, just over a week away so that's going to be pretty significant um, and then following on from that you have schools you have juveniles indoors yeah there's just so much and there's lots of international competitions happening I mean we saw Jacob Ingelbrigtsen having that phenomenal run of 350 um, last night in Levan. I mean that's so there's something happening on all levels so whether there's Irish in action internationally or whether there's Kilkenny people act in action internationally or abroad it doesn't matter there's something for athletics going on the whole time these days <laughs> Good to be busy Good to be yeah, busy yeah. Uh, Perry if people want to get in touch um, what's the best way to do it? Um, I suppose to be, get in touch if you've got an inquiry about a club or anything if you know a local club get in touch with that club through their Facebook page um, there's always somebody at the end um, answering through Messenger um, if you don't know what your local club is um, just contact the Kilkenny Athletics County Board um, through um, the Facebook page again um, I'm the PRO so I'm the person who will be answering your queries there so yeah just and Facebook is probably the best way in terms of using Messenger Nice one Well Perry Williams thanks a million as always for taking the time to drop in and have a chat and we will talk to you again soon Thank you We also caught up with Emer Hederman on the pre-season movings in Formula One Joining me is Emer Hedman, Hederman from Formula Spy. News broke this week that Michael Massey will no longer be the race director for the new Formula One season following the controversial ending to last season's championship that saw Max Verstappen overtake Lewis Hamilton in the final lap of the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix to seal his first world championship. First of all, Emer, thanks very much for taking the time to speak with us today. No worries. Thanks for having me on. It's great when anytime we get to wax lyrical about Formula One after <laughs> such a huge, massive ending to the season. What do you make of the decision to drop Massey? I I think there was nothing else they could do with all the outroar, like from the fans and from the teams. He would probably not have had the respect or that he would need as race director if they continued with him. So, uh, yeah, and I don't think they really could have done anything else. And do you, now do you think now it's best for the sport for that to happen so the controversy of last season can be left behind them and they can move forward? I think they had to. They've done a lot of changes now with the race director and what's going on there. So hopefully it will make everything die down, stop all the uh, hashtags on Twitter and <laughs> social media trending. And does dropping Massey in any way tarnish for Stappen's win? Because it may have looked... At as getting rid of the guy who made a huge mistake by almost single-handedly giving the Red Bull racer the championship? I don't think so. Like Even Hamilton himself yesterday was saying that he doesn't blame Max. Max did what a racer does. They see an opportunity, they take it. It, it was... Like the race director made this decision and no matter what you think of it, that's the result and that's gone down the history books. So Max Verstappen is the champion and it doesn't matter what people say. He won't mind. And you mentioned Mr. Hamilton there. Looking forward to the new season. Lewis Hamilton has confirmed he will be back as Mercedes returned to a silver car after months of speculation about the seven-time world champion's future. How important was it for the sport that a figure like Hamilton made that decision to stay? Oh, I mean, if he hadn't, then I think the uproar about the controversy would just go beyond going. Though he said that he just needed a step back to get his own mindset back into racing gear and he was never seriously considering not coming back. So at least we have that. And so will the events now of last year 
would you reckon make him more hungry than ever to win that record-breaking A title? He seemed to suggest as much when he spoke at the launch of the car yesterday. Yeah, that's what he's saying. He's saying that he wasn't at his best last year and uh, he's coming back stronger and more hungry and more determined to not let last year define him. So it's a uh, fighting talk from him. In terms of the end of last season, it obviously had such a huge impact on the sporting world. People that wouldn't really be into Formula One knew what mm-hmm. happened with that. Is it in some way a good thing that it ended that way because it brought more eyes to the sport? I mean, should they say there's no no bad publicity? It got people talking and after, it was a great season up to that anyway, which got people talking about the sport again. So no, people will be tuning in to see if there is, you know, any controversy this year or if there's any leftover bad feeling from last year. So yeah, I I don't think that F1 can really be sad about (laughs) all this controversy. And Hamilton's partner this year, George Russell, provided the car is right, could he actually threaten Verstappen and Hamilton in a way that, say, uh, Valtteri Bottas could not while he was at Mercedes? Yeah, I mean... Uh, we saw at the end of 2020, Russell got into Hamilton's car when Hamilton had to sit out due to COVID, and he he was acing it. There was a mistake in the pit stop which dropped him back, but other than that, he he was doing very very well. So if he can get into that rhythm again, yeah, he'll be a challenger for sure. Speaking of challengers, you're going to want to challenge the top two, Lewis Hamilton, Max Verstappen, particularly Verstappen. Would he be the mm-hmm. favourite now to regain the championship or would you have Hamilton ahead of him? Well, in normal circumstances, yes. But there's been so many rule changes this year. No one knows what car is going to be the fastest. <laughs> and, so, and, and looking at those rule changes, like what do you think is going to be the most kind of detrimental to a, a, a long-term Formula 1 driver? It's it's big aerodynamic changes. So no one knows how the cars are going to stack up against each other. And I think a lot of this year's championship will be won in the factories with the development. So they'll see if someone, like uh, about 10 years ago, when Braun, from being Honda the seat previous season, having barely any points, aced the changes in regulation and were well out in front for the first half of the season which led Jensen Button to become a world champion. Yeah. It could be the same this year. Anything could happen. Yeah, I was about to, like, if you're if you're looking at the manufacturer it, it, and taking all these changes into mind, is there anyone else then that you could see potentially fight for the championship in 2022? I mean, you'd always expect that the guys who are at the top would stay there. But you could have absolutely anyone. One designer have could have an amazing idea and that would just make the car a rocket ship. You don't know. We'll see. We'll get a bit of an idea. They'll be testing um, next week, and then another test before the first race. So we'll get a bit of an idea of them, but it'll take a few races to kind of see how everyone stacks up. So even with that, the Constructors' Championship, like it mightn't be another straight shootout between Red Bull and Mercedes. No, no, it could be absolutely anything. And we can follow along all the journey on Formula Spy. I suppose you're getting ready to ramp up and become even busier than you were. We're hoping to. I mean, it's only a couple of us when we're volunteers. So we're, uh, we're doing our best. And we're hoping to keep everyone up to date with what's going on. For the love of the game.
Absolutely. And uh, we know that uh, Netflix have recently announced the, the season four of the F1 show. That, that's a huge thing. It, it kind of yeah. gives people an insight into what's happening. Absolutely. Drive to Survive starting Friday, I think the 11th of March. So, uh, yeah, that's, I mean, they up the drama. Obviously, it's a show. If you go in knowing that, but well, it, it's interesting to see what controversies they will make up <laughs> in a year that was so full of controversy anyway. Well, Emer, thanks very much for taking the time and uh, divulging us with all the information on the F1 season. It's always a pleasure getting to speak to you. No worries. Thanks a million for having me. Thanks very much, Einer Hederman from Formula Spy. You can catch all the latest on the website, which is formulaspy.com. It was a good day for Carlo GAA on Saturday with Niall Carew's men picking up their first win in the Allianz League. Niall, great to be back to winning, Wes. Yeah, no, it is. Uh, we're, we're thrilled, Brendan. Uh, that, the result was very important for us because since the Sligo game, um, the lads have worked very hard the last two weeks and uh, we got a great response from them. Um, and look, and Waterford, in fairness, are going to be dangerous for every team. I mean, they drew a Tipperary and uh, London only beat them by a pint over in London. So we knew they were going to be very competitive. Um, I thought we were in full control uh, for most of that game. Um, again, Sean Bambrick's black card is beyond me how he got a black card he were probably closer to me uh, but the player seems to dive into him and he got a black card for that and again it looks like we were in full control of the game and it's like they're trying to make a game of it um, and then to give the penalty at the end uh, to say there was a goal scoring opportunity when there was three of our defenders back in behind um you know, back in behind the Watford player, how how that was scored, scoring up, and again that's bringing teams back into the game. Yeah. And and for us, if they if the ball was kicked out, a bad kick out, and they got a goal, next thing is a draw oh. match, and all of a sudden these lads are so deflated. And again, it's down to them decisions, but no control over that and no one giving out the whole time but um, I'm very pleased with uh, the reaction and the response and um, yeah I, I thought we defended very well uh, we probably backed off a small bit and invited them onto us a couple of times um, and they got a couple of great scores and that but um, uh, but other than that um, yeah, I'm, I'm very happy with that So uh, uh, The favours for the group Kevin next week it's not going to be easy Breffney Park a difficult assignment but uh, you'll take tonight you'll take yeah. that next week Absolutely um, no, we'll, we'll look. It's great to be playing Cavan, and I, I want our lads to be playing the best teams. And Cavan are a top ten team, Ulster champions only two years ago, um, and it's going to be a great test for us and great for the young lads. And we're going up, and there's no expectations apart from this group. And um, you know, we're not going to go up, and we're going to go up and play our own brand of football. Um, we're going to keep things tight like we did tonight. We'll give Watford all the respect, and we'll give Cavan the same respect. They're going to be obviously. Um, hot favourites to win that game um, so, but we're going to go up and, and really test ourselves and see where we're at and we learned a hell of a lot from that game like we did from the Kildare game and I, I really felt sorry for the lads last week because um, I, 8 or 9 debutants uh, playing and, and it was a big ask for them um, you know so tonight only 2 or 3 lads a few experienced lads back and, uh, it makes a difference uh, it makes a massive difference and boys you've been around football all your lives you know yourselves uh, a team like Carly you see Dublin they're 
they're down four or five lads I don't know how they're down tonight but do you know what I mean that they can't struggle yeah. um, so we were down nine last week uh, you know Owen Roos Sean Gannon um, and uh, Ross Dunphy they're all coming back in the next three or four weeks so we get stronger and stronger and, and stronger two we had back like Dara Foley and Morrissey made a huge difference tonight Jordan ah yeah Jordan was excellent tonight and we hadn't Tarky last week yeah, either Tarky, yeah. two, two Clarks did very well yeah, by the way Brian Kelly and Comrade said it was a great panel performance by Carlo tonight yeah absolutely and I thought Niall Hickey come on and played very well yeah. uh, you know he, he, he won a lot of ball for us in the middle and uh, no look I'm very pleased with the performance and I'm delighted for the lads because um, the Prince such an effort the last all the last three or four months and they've all stuck together no lad has really dropped off the panel um, you know sticking together because the boys know this is long term and I think if we can consolidate uh, our position now and get up the table as far as we can and make a real go in the summer then and then have a burst for promotion then for the following year um, so that's that's in my head who knows with the Cavan game next week like you know I think we have forwards that can hurt anyone um, but I do think that we do have to stop inviting teams onto us OK well well done tonight Niall no bother Brendan thanks a million alright here you have so Dr. Siobhan O'Connor told me all about the new player leaflet that's available on the Camogie website that talks all about player wellness and injury prevention. Yeah, so I suppose with the player welfare booklet then, I suppose, gosh, it was a long time ago. It was like back in, oh, 2017, I think we actually started a collaboration with Paul O'Donovan, who was the player welfare and inclusion coordinator with Camogie Association. And now it's Louise Keane. Um, and I suppose we started off, really, we were talking about injury prevention. And I suppose, first of all, we're thinking, oh, it's right, we need to have a good grasp of what injuries are in camogie to prevent them. Um, and so we started off talking about injuries and um, we did a, a survey looking at camogie injuries. And we found that 88% of camogie players actually became injured the season before. And 60% of them actually reported more than one injury. So it really was something that we were like, gosh, injury prevention is essential in camogie. And, you know, how are we going to do it? So um, that really drove um, this uh, player welfare booklet and what we've actually done here. Um, and we also did some other research looking at camogie coaches and players. We found really low rates of injury prevention implementation. So we found like, uh, I think it was a third of coaches said that they were actually um, doing injury prevention. And one in 10 players reported using any form of injury prevention program at training. So it was something we really wanted to support players and coaches with. And they really were interested in doing it. But a lot of them felt that they didn't have, you know, the knowledge, experience and skills to do so. Because they're volunteers, you know, it's a community sport primarily. So that was um, really important for us then because, you know, they reported to us feeling like they didn't have the knowledge and skills. So we wanted to develop this booklet um, and create supplementary material like videos and things like that to really give um, coaches and players the skills to implement these practically at training. So that's kind of where it all began to start off with. Yeah, and I know you mentioned there kind of about how many inj- injuries can be sustained when you're playing camogie, mm. but what was the most kind of common injury did you find, Siobhan? Yeah, well, really what we found um, was the knee, ankle and hamstring. They were the three most common injuries that we found. And that's similar to hurling and Gaelic football and ladies Gaelic football, that lower extremity injuries are more common just because of the sport and how they're played. Um, but I suppose... 
what was very interesting was, now this was their most self-reported injury they discussed in detail, a third of those actually ended up having to go to hospital or A&E for a scan or for someone to assess it. So obviously the impact of these injuries can be quite substantial to the player and, you know, financially and for work and college and school and everything like that. So um, the injuries are quite common across Gaelic games in general, including Camogie, but they have a big impact on the player and the team, you know, for team availability. So it's really essential that we prevent them. I suppose really when you're talking about injuries, the biggest predictor of a future injury is a previous one. So as you age, you're more likely to have sustained an injury. So you're more likely to get another one, whether it's the same type again or a different one as you you, um, age. So we didn't really look at trends between the different types of injuries, but we do know if you have had a previous injury before, your likelihood of becoming injured again is increased. So you are definitely a person who needs to be doing injury prevention work and, um, you know, making sure that you're doing this type of injury prevention programs to help reduce your risk of sustaining another injury. And we do know, like, injuries like ankles, hamstring injuries, they can become, you know, people can get them a number of times if they really don't deal with whatever the risk factor for sustaining that injury was. So it's really, those type of injuries are ones that people can get again if they don't really complete their rehabilitation in full um, and, you know, deal with the injury properly. So I think that's really essential. Yeah, what I found really interesting about the booklet as well is how it kind of takes into consideration how a girl's body changes, uh, you know, as she moves from mm-hmm. childhood in, into adolescence and then through to adulthood as well and kind of taking into consideration, you know, puberty and like it's it's vitally important, isn't it really, that girls know how to look yeah. after their body when they're playing sport um, as they kind of go through those those different kind of transitions in, in life. Yeah, that's so right. And I think that's something we really focus on with this injury prevention program. So a lot of programs, you know, they have something developed for adults and then it's just, you know, underage people are supposed to do it. And, you know, we we know that for underage players that we want to really, you know, help build their strength, coordination, good movement patterns, basically, you know, develop a strong foundation for movement specific to whatever stage they're at. And we basically designed this program from eight years onwards and it gradually builds in terms of what the content they're going to do. And it's all based on the long-term player athlete development model. So it's really taking that into account. And we collaborated with Dr. Wesley O'Brien from UCC and Peter Lacey, who's a certified athletic therapist with me in DCU. And we really focused on that. So we have um, a few different stages. So from under eight to under 12, we have the Camogie Early Movers Programme. Uh, under 13, under 14 is the Rapid Movers Programme. And then under 15, under 16 is the Mature Movers. And then that builds from minor upwards into the adult programme. So they're not just suddenly starting to do an injury prevention programme at an adult that they've never done before. They were actually tackling it, you know, basically giving them the, that solid foundation of movement patterns at a young age. But more importantly is in a fun way. And I think that's what we really wanted to stress within the Player Welfare Booklet was that it's so important that we keep Camogie players engaged and enjoying sport. So really boring, long-winded programmes, you know, away from what they want to do, which is Camogie, um, isn't going to work. So we really tried to make it sport-specific and fun and give coaches the autonomy to, you know, you know, change it up. So, you know, we have, um, you know, there's a phase one, phase two and phase three of this program. But we encourage coaches to maybe put phase two near the end of the, you know, they could do it at the end of the session instead if they want to keep the wall up nice and short. Or, you know, we say to the coaches too that, you know, you're the best judgment of your own players because you work with them, you know, week in, week out. So you know their skill level, you know their maturity levels. If you think that they need to be pushed on, push them on. If you think we need to hold off a little bit, you know, hold it off. 
And these are suggestions of exercises. And we have pictures and, you know, um, the descriptions to say to players and the cues, all that included. But it's for them to choose. And they can choose it. You know, they might implement the full thing straight away. They might do it in phases. But it's really up for them and their own confidence and, and what they want to do. Because the best injury prevention program is one people actually do. So sometimes things are designed and they're really good and but they're really complex and the coaches don't feel confident in delivering them or the players are bored doing them so it's really important that we make it fun and I think that's something we've really concentrated on this and we also have um, lots of different um, cues for coaches to give players to focus on because that's something a lot of coaches told us as we were developing this was you know I just don't know what to say to people or sometimes I feel like I'm giving a long-winded explanation and I'm not even sure what I should be looking for them to do. You know, I, I get, you know, then I start second-guessing myself. So we have lots of different cues within the programme that people can say, you know, focus on knees up or keep your knees out or different simple cues that can help them, you know, really focus on what they should be advising the player to do as they're doing the injury prevention programme, which hopefully will help support coaches. Yeah, and I know like we've been speaking a lot there about kind of injury prevention and exercises, um, but it's really the booklet is is all encompassing and, and just kind of reading down through it, like there's articles there on nutrition and lifestyle and health and well-being as well. How important was it, Siobhan, to kind of take a holistic approach to player welfare? Yeah, and I think that's something Louise Keane as the player welfare um, and inclusion coordinator really did, which was fantastic about this whole document, is it really takes a holistic view of the player and the camogie player as a person, which is really important because camogie is something they do for fun and, you know, it's a certain amount of hours in their week, whereas they are a person who works and lives and, you know, their their health is more important than anything else. You know, I think that was really, really great. And like you said, there's fantastic information in here about burnout, um, you know, about, you know, lots of different health and aspects like nutrition. And it's, so it's really useful for anywhere, anyone to read, even if you're not a camogie player. And there's some really fantastic information in there for any, um, you know, sporting active female to have a read. And there's lots of information that can, you know, really help them there. Yeah. And just kind of on that as well I suppose body image has been identified as a huge area of concern for adolescent girls especially um, are you confident like that the more information is available there to young girls and their parents like the more I suppose we can start to combat this issue and, and keep girls engaged in sport for longer it's so important and I think like the dropout rates in Camogie and so much of the sport is quite high you know at certain around the teenage years we know that there's a huge dropout of um, players and you know some of that could be due to just consciousness of you know how they look while playing sport and just being involved in it and many other reasons it's not just that but it's really important that it's something that we are open with with our female players and we talk to people about and it's also something coaches need to be really aware of too that they're not putting focus on um, individuals performance or weight or fitness or things like that you know that they're really conscious of what they say to players they don't compare players you know individually you know you're not doing general comparisons like that and you're not just focused on the outcome of sport as well that you're actually you know looking at the performance of people and how people are improving is the focus and doesn't it all come back to the fun of the game as well that if the focus is not on how they look losing weight being fit and winning if the focus is actually you know having fun and enjoying sport and taking part and you know the benefits of working with a team you know that really takes away that focus which is really important and I think it's really important for people to focus on you know just being healthy versus and being extremely fit or being extremely skinny or things like that it's really important that we focus on being healthy and happy and an overall holistic view of you as a person and not just a camogie player. 
Yeah, it's it's actually really lovely to hear kind of your passion for this area as well, Siobhan. And um, just finally on the leaflet, where can people access it? Yeah, so I think it'd be so important for people to look it up. So if you go onto the Camogie Association website and you search the Pair Welfare, um, Camogie Pair Welfare booklet, and it's the second volume, so this is the second iteration of it. Um, and it's for free. It's a PDF document. You could download it and read it whenever you want. And it's also up on the Camogie Association social media as well if you want to take a look. And um, all the information is there. It's really written in a very plain language, clear um, visual way. It's not very complicated. We put in loads of figures and pictures. Louise Keane has the Pair Welfare Coordinator and Inclusion Coordinator done a fantastic job pulling all this together. And I strongly recommend any Camogie players and coaches or parents of Camogie players to definitely read it. Or, uh, to be honest, if you're a female player across any sport, you really get some good information out of it. While it is focused for Camogie, there's, like you said earlier, there's information across the health of any active female. So it's really useful information. So I strongly recommend anyone reading it. And it's really plain language. So it's not going to be complex and it's not going to be heavy research. It's really put in a very clear way. On the topic of injury prevention, we also spoke to David Roach of Roach Injury Clinic. I'm very good, Shane. How are you keeping? I'm very good. I'm delighted to be locked away from that weather anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's lovely out there, isn't it? Nice and windy. Safe <laughs> for the old bar stool, I'd say. Now. Uh, David, you're always a busy man. Uh, no doubt you're busy once again today, and it's getting into busy season for a lot of teams. Or you might be mid-season, say, in the district league when it comes to the soccer side of things. We're both involved in that. And uh, so that's kind of just maintaining uh, a t- any type of niggling injuries that you might have going on and looking after them but a lot of people might be starting some pre-season when it comes to the GAA uh, would you notice that uh, the kind of the influx of people before pre-season starts uh, coming into the clinic yeah yeah absolutely I suppose traditionally I suppose what we'll probably see now is uh, GA players in our county especially with the hurling I suppose are starting to, to transcend from their gym programs for the winter to kind of bulking up if you will a little bit to, to on-field stuff for the first time and there can be a real discretion there between you know the output of, of intensity and running to, to what they do in the gym commonly what we would see Shane I suppose um, is when you see athletes start to do volume running for the first time traditionally we'll see knee injuries more knee injuries coming in so things like you know um, shearing aspects around the knee joint like ligament problems you'll see maybe a little bit of information around the tendons you can see things like you know um, tight grinds which lack just below the knee a little bit as well on the outside of the knee you'll start to see things like ITB syndrome flaring up these are all inflammatory conditions and inflammatory condition is indicative of, of uh, lots and lots of miles, shall we say. So we'll usually see a lot of that coming around now, but I suppose, again, it's really important to make sure that we're getting the assessment run on those quite quickly and, you know, making sure that the previous injuries or previous uh, indication of pain in those areas are not overlooked. And then I suppose you'll start to see is when the base work is done, you start to see a lot of speed work happening to get the players into, into performance-based stuff. And what we'll see again traditionally, and by some of the research that we will use here in the clinic, a lot of speed injuries when it transcends from base running into speed running, shall we say, or ankle and, and uh, tendon kind of things as well. So, yeah, nowhere to hide at all, Shane, with these kind of injuries now. They're coming thick and fast. Yeah, and I, I can attest to that as well. I've probably never been more injured in than I have been in the past year, something that I actually attended your wonderful clinic for. Um, it seemed that 
maybe a decade ago, maybe a bit longer than a decade ago, when I was starting off on my kind of sporting journey, that's the likes of stretching and warm downs were almost taken for granted. It was a thing that you just kind of went through the motion. But now it's so prevalent to stopping these things. And is that just because science has grown so much over the past few years or the fact that people like yourselves are, are becoming more accessible and you don't have to travel to get these type of kind of look get yeah. these type of injuries looked at it's definitely a bit of both I think information is, has never been more um, accessible than it is now um, obviously I'm not a big advocate of Dr. Google because God knows what happens you could put in a calf injury there you know, you come back with a sinister pathology but um, yeah it, it, you know, we've never seen information as, as, uh, as available and that has a great, that's a great thing absolutely but sometimes you know it has to be applied to the athlete to the sport and to, to, the, to the outcome and goal of the patient so that's why I suppose where we come in being able to guide people um, through injuries quite quickly before they get quite big I suppose and then it's, it's, it's kind of a bold thing there as well, Shane. I'm like you, I suppose. I, I'm, I wish it was 10 years ago I started playing sport, but I'm more like the 20 mark. But when I started, um, you know, running and playing sports first, yeah, it was a quick stretch and off you go. Um, but nowadays, there's, there's, there's a real difference because people are so busy themselves, Shane, and they don't have time. And they certainly don't have time to be Googling things as well to go for their run. I know I know a lot of mothers and fathers who have that, you know, 30 minutes after work in the evening when they come home, put the kids to bed and then get out for that run. They don't have 15 minutes to warm up, you know. So that's a bit of an issue as well. But um, I suppose what we like to do with our patients we have here is we like to encompass absolutely everything. We make sure that we, when they leave here, that they actually leave with a, a, a plan for themselves going forward. So hopefully they don't have to see us again. And if they do have to see us, they'll come back and choose us to come to because they know we have their back 100%. But, um, as far as warm-ups are concerned, Shane, I suppose, yeah, you know, uh, the simple rules of warm-up, realistically, is to warm up the area you're going to actually use, you know, and it might sound silly to you, but it's the main muscle groups that we're going to use during your run, during your gym sessions, have to be looked at, you know, and, and sometimes it's not just about, you know, lengthening a tissue or getting the blood response there, sometimes sometimes it's about mimicking the intensity you're about to work out as well, so we're all different, Shane, you know, we're all different, we all have different outcomes, we all have different goals, whether you're just trying to tone up or you're trying to put on a bit of muscle mass, they all have different goals. And that's where we love to help people um, get the best out of their body as well. And do you think now that people are becoming a bit more aware of what their body is telling them because maybe back in the day you might have the old rugby head that would have an injury that would continue trying playing on uh, which is completely against any type of injury prevention if it has to be said do you think people are a bit more happy to say you know what put my hand up I'm not good to go I'm going to go get this looked out do you think it, it, people are a bit more comfortable with the thought process of that uh, they are, I think, and I think what's after happening is is that like if you think about if you really dig deep on this, Shane, like sport is becoming a lot more serious. Like uh, the coaches are actually t- to coach, you know, and Kenny Hurland, for example, will go like it's it's actually a huge honour to coach Kenny Hurland. Kenny Hurland is some of the finest hurling in the whole country. So to get a job, whether you're junior or senior at a club, you need to make sure your players are firing 100. percent So I don't think players care any or sorry don't managers will let players get away with it anymore you know they'll say listen you're not carrying yourself properly you may go and see a physio and I nearly we, we have a lot of clubs looking to link with us um, again just as the season starts and clubs in Carroll as well now starting to come up to us a lot as well but um, what you'll probably see is the managers know now that if their best players are not firing 100% it could be their job on the line too so it's brilliant to see managers taking a real interest in there uh, in that kind of stuff as well and I suppose for the for the players Shane think about it yourself I suppose if you're going into games and you're tight and you're carrying knocks like are you really going to give a true representation of how good you actually are most likely not and even though you're doing it for the good of the team you just do that for two or three games 
the managers and coaches staff are probably starting to think hey look I think Shane or I think Dave have lost it we need to put on the bench for a while so you're actually hindering yourself you're hindering your own development if, if that's an underage player so it gets really conscious with Shane doesn't it uh, well, I've lost anything that I ever had a long time ago, it has to be said. Uh, but that that was due to just not being educated when it came to these type of things. And when I went to you, I think it was last May, I kind of opened up the world of, uh, my, or opened up my mind considering how much neglect that I put into my body over the past few years, just from going out, hitting the roads, playing soccer, not really not really pushing a calf stretch or not really pushing uh, any type of hamstring stretch. And you're suffering because of it. But you mentioned teams that are, are becoming more involved you're also quite renowned for having a lot of individuals uh, coming down to you Ella Malloy she was playing against Russia over in Spain there recently in the Pinatar Cup she's uh, quite a regular there you've had Olympians Brittany yeah. Reese down there as well it's just it's fascinating That's to see right. these big names coming to Kilkenny and it's working with uh, a, a local injury clinic yeah, I know. I appreciate that. Thanks so much. Uh, we, we have my mandate every single day when I go about it is just to help people and give, give people the best care I can, whether they're, you know, married and need to go to the shops or, Brit- uh, you know, Olympic champion like Britney and stuff. But yeah, no, we're really lucky. Ellen comes to us all the time and she had a tricky um, hamstring injury there. We managed to help her get over just a laugh at the end of it. I think some of that's going to go up on our social medias in the next day or so as well. Uh, yeah, we have a lot of really high level athletes about to come over. We've a Jamaican winter Olympian is going to come over and see me in April. Uh, Curtis Mitchell I think come back to see me there Adia Sprinter although I think he deferred to Nike now uh, he's coming over to see me there um, in early early May and there's lots of other work with FEI and stuff coming up as well so I'm very lucky and honoured but to be honest with you every single day I'm just getting out of bed and I'm looking forward to uh, helping as many people as I can serving our community and, and afar as well like, you know I think last week Shane if I'm honest with you um, we've been here from Cork Tyrone Dublin I was just mad so I, I'm loved, that gets me out of bed in the morning and that's what I love to do my friend yeah it's it's great to highlight the kind of world-renowned international athletes that are coming there, but it's also uh, fairly important to highlight that it's not a clinic just for those people. It's a clinic for everybody. Yeah, no, 100%. Look, listen, you know me uh, You know me now. I'm quite, I'm a very proud Kilkenny man, to be honest with you. That, that's why I moved home and I had a chance to stay working in, in pro rugby and stuff in England. And I really wanted to move home and, and help my community if I could at all. And to be again, you know, out of all the patients we see, I'd say more than half our caseload, if not 75% of our caseload, are general public patients with pains that have had like back pain, neck pain, shoulder pain, post-operation stuff this time of year. So we're really honoured and proud to um, actually help and serve our community for sure. And you had the two Johnnies with you there i seen recently as well. <laughs> well, they're tipping that now, so I want to give them a mention now. But, uh, yeah, the two boys are actually Berlin crack now. They came and saw us there uh, a few months ago. They were doing a show, and we were actually lucky enough to get an RT and a few, few bloopers on RT as well. So it was nice to get the clinic some, some uh, national recognition like that as well. But um, they're gaff men and trainers to them now. I deserve everything that's coming to them. <laughs> um, in, in terms of the seasons, uh, we're coming into spring now. You, you might be able to tell it by being outside, but would you notice <laughs> kind of prevalent injuries during or injuries being prevalent during certain seasons during certain times so during the winter maybe people aren't doing something that they should be doing during winter that they wouldn't do during the summer or something like that yeah yeah, yeah absolutely and that, that kind of comes down again to our to our you know to our homes and stuff walks and stuff as well I know we actually played the other night and it was in that snow Friday night and it was almost like when it started snowing everything moved differently you're a bit more tense the muscles will like your muscles I have to understand they're always going to want to be in that kind of a short protected range and as soon as you go to sprint or change speed or 
change direction while your muscles are kind of shortened like that what happens is they, they're more likely to, 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 to kind of disrupt and to tear and to, to have um, a little miniature uh, issues with them as well no more so if you haven't already done a, a warm up that's you know indicative of, of what you're about to compete as well Shane so you see lots of that and I suppose in winter as well what we often see in winter is some of our, our chronic pain patients who are suffering with osteoarthritis and we're because genuinely Shane some people will have you know knee pain for years and back pain for years and we'll get them down from a, you know an 8 or 9 out of 10 to a 2 and kind of maybe see them 3, 4 times a year to keep them at that level but we always know as winter comes around like we have like what we call non-specific, non-specific um, flare-ups so they go from in a 2 out of 10 to like a 6 and 7 for a period of time and it's up to us to get them in as quickly as we can and, and to bring those pains course down and then there obviously is you know a big GA back on Nickel Kenny lots of hamstring strains and lots of uh, shoulder issues and stuff when the, when the hurling starts back and stuff as well but um, just some pure mulligan I suppose as well isn't it running the hills and stuff but <laughs> yeah definitely 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 and unfortunately I can't prescribe all my older age patients uh, a trip to uh, the Bahamas or anything like that but yeah it's, uh, it's important to make sure you're looking after your bodies all year round Certainly uh, one of the things that uh, I was very apprehensive to be honest with you when I was uh, uh, had my injury I kind of was in that mentality of just being like time will, will sort it out time didn't sort it out and I lost a lot of weeks running um, so when I went into the gym I was expecting pain that's what I associated with physio or something like that well I was quite pleasantly surprised and uh, there's this thing that you have going called cryotherapy which I hadn't a clue what that was if you could give us a bit more of an insight into it but it did help I don't know how the mechanics of it but it helped yeah yeah no I'm, I'm glad you said that because that, that's, a, that's a really that's a big thing I think with patients of, of you know and any clinician will tell you it's the fear kind of avoidance of coming to see a physio and the days are gone I, I, the days are gone now where you, you're going to get like busted up with a physio and stuff there's other ways around now in sports medicine there's other ways around the different modalities to help you you know heal and create a healing response inside your system without butchering you as well and um, we, we invest a lot of money in those kind of things one of them been the cryotherapy a vaporized cryotherapy um, which is we bought the cryo pool here which is Nice, we'll say, uh, for post-injury and recovery stuff as well. But also the localised cryotherapy is only one in the country. It will uh, cool the tissues down in a certain area to about minus 5 and below to much, something as far as minus 37. And what happens then is the body thinks it's going to go into like, um, a hypothermic shock and it's going to die, so shall we say. Um, but what happens then is when you reach a state called cryostimulation, where a constant dose of hormones are released uh, to that area, specific area you're working on, and that in turn then creates a really advanced healing response there. And then when it's managed properly through our rehab plan and other modalities we'd like to use, you know, when you're in here with us, we can get you the best results and get you fixed quicker and saving you time away from, I suppose, getting you back onto the back onto the running track as quickly as you can or onto the road or back downtown doing all the messages. But ultimately, Shane, as well, save you money in the long run. That's one of these things that we, we do we do want to get across to our patients as well. Um, is That's how you save money, I suppose, is by, by not you know, going and getting an elbow on the backside for 12 weeks in a row, you know. <laughs> uh, David, uh, thanks very much for taking the time to speak with us. Um, we know that you're located down there by the village and uh, if people want to get in touch can they rock up or is it there's still a bit of a COVID protocol is it better to get in contact with you online well, a bit to the actually now, thank God the COVID things all passing. So people are actually allowed to come in and inquire in person now again. That's a big thing for some people. So please, always welcome to come in and have a chat with Lucy. On the, the she's our front of staff there. She's very welcoming and kind. But also, you can catch us on oh eight seven nine six eight one nine eight seven is the best phone to call us or text us. And we're very active on social media and so things like Instagram and uh, Facebook at Roach Injury Clinic, and not to mention our, our website at RoachInjuryClinic.com. 
David, it's always a pleasure. I hope I don't have to go and use your services again. But if I do, <laughs> if I do, I'll, I'll I'll be glad to go to you anyway. Uh, brilliant, absolutely the same, Shane. Thanks for talking to me. I appreciate. Davy Jones was back again to give us an update on all things fitness and health. Davy, I think we're in week seven now. And does leg day get any easier? Please, please tell me it does. Um, no, Shane, it shouldn't get easier. <laughs> you should be getting better, but you're getting better, so that's all that matters. Uh, it was a tough fellow week, I have to say, um, especially the, the leg day. Leg day is always tough, but it's generally the most enjoyable one. But I was introduced to this thing called drop sets, <laughs> which I thought, you know, was meant to get easier as the weight gets taken off, but my... Oh my! <laughs> it was a it was a tough one. Drop sets for the people that don't know. Could you give it a bit of an explanation? Basically, just start on your top weight, um, be be it, say hundred kilos. Do X amount of reps. Let's say do ten reps, and then immediately straight away we take off weight. So let's say you take off twenty kilos without stopping. Then you continue on to get as many reps as you can. Take off another twenty kilos, many reps as you can. Another twenty kilos, uh, many reps as you can, and it goes on and goes on to. You can't do any more, and uh, yeah, I seen you in action there, leg day there, seen you dropping sets, and uh, <laughs> looks like good fun, good fun today. <laughs> I think I made sounds that I never made in my life. I sounded like Daffy Duck at one stage, going <laughs> when I was, <laughs> when I was trying to push. But it, it was such a, a tough workout, but ultimately a very rewarding kind of thing, and it, it, to help have lads there to help constantly push you is such a, a huge thing what I did on the first day we generally start with uh, chest and shoulders and I got to work with Catherine for the very first time um, Catherine would have been someone that I've seen around the gym working with various other people but I've never got to kind of do personal training with her and you know some people because of uh, a male and female difference there um, a male body and a female body maybe having kind of different requirements and stuff that might be a bit apprehensive but I've seen Catherine train an absolute animal when it comes to it so I knew I was in good hands there yeah no she's well able to train men she's stronger than most men so uh, she's definitely well able to train men and yeah it's good to mix it up too like you know you, you've you seen you've trained with everyone now this stage you know what I'm saying and you've seen everyone has their own kind of style and techniques and it's good to change it up and as, as, as you go along and you pick up different techniques and different styles of training off each trainer yeah, because when I was training, say, on my own, and a lot of people when they're training on their own, they might get stuck in a routine. So it might, say, for chest, for instance, you might start with a flat bench and then go to an incline and then go to a decline, just keeping it simple like that. But if you're training with someone else, they might recommend starting off with decline. So if you start off with decline, your muscles aren't going to be as fatigued as they would have been if you did incline and did flat bench. And then if you leave your flat bench down at the end, you know, you're going to still your ego is going to still make you want to lift the same weight that you're used to and accustomed to but muscle fatigue is set in so it's kind of shocking the muscles every time exactly yeah that's it like it's it's all, it's all about stimulating the muscles in different ways and doing the same workout week in week out is with the same weight same reps it's just not going to get anyone anywhere so it's all about kind of giving the muscles something they haven't got before stimulating them in that, in that way and uh, yeah that's how they break down and that's how we rebuild them and grow bigger and stronger then. 
and I, I hope that I'm getting bigger and stronger anyway I kind of it, it keeps you guessing and on your toes when you're training with all these different people I've been in the past while I've been training a bit with Vinny as well and he's picked up stuff along the way from yourself but I've kind of exposed the virtues of the ethos that is within the gym for, for so long that everyone seems to be singing off the same hymn sheet while still bringing something uh, quite personal to every workout Exactly, yeah. It's um, we all came together with this kind of program that we run. Everyone through, and it, it works well. We cover all the muscle groups in in the in the week and within the three days, and we get a mixture of everything, like you know, um, between a little bit of heavier weight sometimes, and then lighter weights for higher repetitions, and endurance work and so fitness work. We are doing the prowler and the sandball stuff like that, and then if we have our cardio kind of work down as well, so. It hits all aspects and it's it's kind of it's reasonable for everyone to do them. You know, all the exercises we do can be either enhanced, made a little bit harder, or you know, made a little bit simpler, made a little bit easier for people who are just starting off. So the main thing is everyone can do what we're doing, and uh, we can get a good workout with everyone. You know when you're building muscle and you hear that muscle weighs more than fat and, and different things like that and the first thing that you said to me when we were in the gym and I explained my history was forget about the scales and it was something that Catherine reiterated on our first session as well just forget about the scales it's not a good indicator of whether you actually are going to be fitness wise if you're lifting weights on a consistent basis it was something that I've always struggled with I've said it said it to yourself from being an obese guy from being a chubby kid going obese and losing the weight and then starting to pile back on the pounds and losing it again it's it was always that the scales was gospel and it's hard to kind of change that mindset but it, it, it's not something that you generally look at and you like to use the um you like to me- use a lot of measurements instead. Yeah, exactly. Like we will use we will use and um, look at the the body weight a lot when someone comes into us that who wants to lose, let's say four, five, six stone. You know what I mean? Their main focus is to get down in body weight. When you were in that different category, chain where your body weight wasn't heavy. You know what I mean? You weren't anyway overweight. It was to drop down a bit of body fat and build a muscle. And sometimes a lot of people get very caught up in how much they weigh and not their body composition you know and not how much body fat they hold and if you look at any professional sport teams you know it's um, it's not about body weight it's about um, what their body fat percentage is so all the rugby players there now at the moment they all have to get body fat tests done very very regularly to make sure their body fat is low enough they're not carrying too much excess weight going around because they're all big men and they need to be able to move weight and same at the same time you know and uh, have endurance, so excess body fat's not going not to help them there. And you look at some of those um, bigger men in rugby field, they, they don't look, when you see them in person, they don't look 20 stone, 21 stone, because, you know, 85% of that is muscle, and muscle is a lot denser kind of, denser weight, so, like, same thing, people ask me, oh, what do you weigh? And I say, I'm 24 stone. No one, no one believes me in 24 stone. <laughs> but 80% of that is probably, maybe a bit generous to me, but around 80% of that is, is muscle, like, you know. But, uh, yeah, like, muscle is is something we all want to strive for, to have more muscle mass, and not for just to be strong in a gym right now, for just longevity with your body and strong things don't break basically you know injuries and all these things come from weak body parts weak, weak muscle groups and uh, that's none of us want and even with people we train a lot of people in, in kind of the over 50 50 over 60 category and um, 
being stronger is always great when you're over 50 because you know your mobility is going down your muscle mass is going down you're feeling weaker and by lifting weights you can get a little bit stronger feel a little bit fitter you know and, and prolong aging if that makes sense and um, we had a few messages in uh, last week. Robbie didn't get to him, and I have a message in here there now. Uh, someone is saying that their daughter is starting out on their fitness jersey, and she's finding that she's getting quite faint as she's going along through the journey. Now, I know when you have a personal trainer there, they can kind of tell when you're struggling or when you're um, kind of not going to be able to complete a set or anything like that. What advice would you give to somebody that is getting a bit faint? Is it their diet that they're not looking after, maybe not getting enough protein or something in their body? Yeah, diet is number one. If people are exercising and they're feeling a bit faint, their blood sugar levels is going too low. And what that is then is that basically people are not eating enough food before a workout or as you know, hours before a workout even that day or the day before even. Some people can restrict their calories a lot and then while they're, you know, in a certain diet mode, a certain training mode, and then what happens then is you have to think about it. if a person's eating extra amount of calories and then they drop it down a lot and they start training, that means two things are happening. After dropping down a lot of calories, your body's not used to, and you're going to be burning up a lot more calories that your body's not used to. And you can't, you can't ask your, you can't ask your body to do that like really because of course he's going to, going to say he's going to, no, I want to shut down because there's not enough nutrients, not enough fuel there you to do what you need to do. You wouldn't ask your car to do make a journey if you didn't put in the petrol or the diesel. Exactly. That's that's the best way to explain it because if you don't have the fuel in your system, your body will just shut down and feeling faint is your body's number one faint way of saying stop, eat something, you know, and then go about what you need to do. Uh, another person has messaged in saying that they are in okay shape, um, just a, a bit tubby, but is it possible to drop weight while building muscle at the same time? Yeah, well, the, the best way to answer that is, like, if you're looking to drop body fat, um, you probably maintain the muscle mass you have, might gain a little bit, but you look like you'll have a lot more muscle mass because you'll reduce your body fat. Um, purely building muscle, is basically having a calorie surplus where you're eating a little bit too much calories than what your body needs, like two or three hundred calories a day, eating more, not major. And um, our bodies react off that. And when we break down the muscle by training, our bodies react to that. We have extra nutrients to call upon, and then our body will build from there. But at the same time, losing weight is about being in a calorie deficit, a little bit less calories than what you need. And you can still build a little bit of muscle on that. But like I just said, you can reduce your body fat right down and make yourself look like you have a lot more muscle by being leaner. And uh, just the last message in there now, uh, someone is saying that they have a niggle in their bicep and it's proven quite difficult to train with that. What would be the recommended thing? I, I wouldn't say just train on one bicep anyway. On the other arm, you'll have a huge arm in comparison to the other. But, uh, you know, the bicep is quite integral to a lot of workouts uh, with your shoulders, keeping stability when you're pumping stuff over your head and, and different things like that. What would be the recommendation? Is just to get it checked out? Exactly, yeah, check the bicep is a, is a very small, short muscle and it's something, if it pulls, it's not pretty. You know, if it, if it detaches off the off your bone, off your elbow, the front of your elbow, it's definitely not pretty. You need reattachment surgery and it's something I've seen that in the past. I've seen a few of my friends pull their bicep completely off the bone and, yeah, that's not nice. So anyone with any sort of injury, niggle or whatever it be, 
it's a lot better have a fix, you know, little when it, when it is a niggle, when it is a little pull before it is a detachment or a big pull where the pill dates you and you can't do anything. So, yeah, you're better off just investing yourself and go off and get some some physio help, ice baths, whatever it be, is going to help you with a little bit of mobility stuff, you know, uh, otherwise you don't want to lead into a big surgery. We also got the reaction of old Lachlan clubman Bart Gilmartin on winning the LGFA's Club Coach of the Year. Asher, it was a complete surprise, really. I, I knew nothing about it. I didn't know there was anything going on in the background until I got the email from uh, from the LGFA saying that I, I had been, uh, you know, I was going to get some award. They didn't tell me, actually, didn't know until the day before the award what the actual particular award was, you know, so... Uh, a, a complete surprise because you, you, you wouldn't be thinking along those lines at all, you know. Uh, and, and as I, I said to a few people since, there was, there was a, a big queue in front of me now that that, that uh, uh, should have been up there ahead of me. But um, I, I, you know, it, 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 I think it's recognition for the club uh, and, and, and all that's gone on over, over, over the last few years. And as, um, you know, I think the profile that the old Auckland club, I suppose, has got been involved in Leinster the, the, the last couple of years. Not you know, probably. Uh, uh, certainly, when 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 someone's name from Wallachlan would come up, I'm sure that the, the, at least the club name would be recognised. So probably didn't uh, didn't do me any harm, you know. And and that's the thing. Like awards like this are important to help to grow awareness of the sport across the country. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, I, 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 Carolee football is no different to all the other counties. Um, you know, there's, there's there's you know a huge effort going in over over, over the last number of years uh, across all the clubs. Um, there's more and more um, you know um, young girls involved from 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 under six and under eight. So I'm sure that's all all good for GBO. I was hoping that uh, you know that the rewards down the line we start seeing that coming through. Uh, you know, um, at at, at Juvenile county level and and, and at adult level over over take three years it, it, things don't happen overnight but a lot of very good work going in around and um, you know clubs uh, you know all, all around Carlo at juvenile huge numbers starting to come through and 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 play at 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 the juvenile levels and now that you mentioned juveniles and adult level you're obviously a proud of Lachlan man and you're involved in almost every level in some manner do you think it's important to treat the kids as well as the adults with time and respect as without them there's, there's no future of any club let alone a GEA club oh yeah I mean yeah, yeah, you know you have to have the um, the juveniles coming through on a consistent uh, basis there'll be years especially small clubs like ourselves where, where um, you know, you might have small numbers as an age group, but it's important to put in the, the same level of effort that year. Um, you know, if, if you only put the effort in the, the year, you, you, you think you have actually a particularly strong group. Um, you know, um, you're, you're, you know, it, it is about that, that consistent effort o- over a period of time. Like ourselves this year, for instance, in our under-16 team, we only had one girl actually playing with us. So there was actually a 16. Our other girls were 15 down. So, but it was important that we put as much effort as we could into into that under sixteen team as we would into into any other under sixteen team. So, and you know, you you you, you get that you have to. Um, it's it's it, it is about a consistent effort over a period of time, and you hope that 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 starts to bring the overall standards up. You know. And uh, what is it about O'Loughlin then that there seems to be this great community spirit with everyone involved in the club? Is it just a case of everyone coming together and working as hard as possible for the good of the club? Um, yeah, 
sure, you know, no different to, to I'd say, to lots of other clubs. There's a, a huge amount of people working in, in the background and their names are never are never heard of or, or because they're not seen on the sideline or whatever, but sure, they're as important as, as, as the fellas like myself or, 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 or ladies like myself that are actually seen on, 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 on the line. So, um, um, yeah, I mean, again, everyone... You're very passionate about football, hurling, camogie, all, all, all of that stuff, you know, in the parish. And, and um, you know, it, it's, there's, there's a lot of committed parents there uh, who, who actually get behind the work that's going on and support it. Um, and um, uh, that, that's what keeps it going. So we, we you have to try and, 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 as I make sure that we don't have a... I think the juvenile probably started about... Ten or eleven years ago in in in, uh, in all Auckland, and um, it, it, it is about that consistent effort, um, you know. So, uh, and, and and now we have you know uh, parents of younger kids coming through; they're getting involved, um, which which is absolutely crucially important. So, apart from the players, you do need that influx of new coaches and 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 and, and administrators and all that at all levels, because um, you know one or two people aren't going to sustain it over. over long period of time so that's happening and again it's no different because I see it all over the other clubs uh, in Carlow and involved the county board level there as well and there's a, a mass, massive effort going in a uh, number of new juvenile clubs have started the last couple of years and uh, that's you know that's what it takes uh, moving on to the senior side of things, it wasn't a B for all Lachlan last year. They lost the county final to Benna Kerry in Ryland, but we're in the inter county season now. But do you feel going back to the club season that there's a real drive to go on better this year? Uh, I've no doubt uh, that, 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 that the girls will be, will, will be thinking, but uh, you know there has been very little between ourselves and, and Benny Carish and Ryland in, in the last number of years. Uh, some, there has been some really really good county finals. I'd say uh, as you know the standard has been very good. The 2020 county final was 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 as good a county final. I'd say was played in Leinster uh, in, in 2020, um, and and uh, you know Benny Carish and Ryland put in a big effort there in in in, in 21, and uh, there were there were you worthy winners so um, there's been very little in it um, in, in the last number of years and I'm sure it'll be no different in 2022 You've recently taken up a new role of Carlo Development Officer you must feel that there's great potential within the county to continue to build and grow um, yeah, I, I think, you know, especially the last two years, you know, because of COVID and all that, no different to other counties, yeah. you know, there's been, on the juvenile side, you know, there hasn't been a lot, especially at, at county level. So, um, yeah, no, I, 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 I've got involved there. I think I think there's huge room for if, if we can get, uh, you know, um, upskill, we'll say, coaching and all of that, both at club level and at the county level and and it's all about trying to raise standards um, so we're just we're just seeing what, what we can do over, over the next couple of years you know on, on that front um, a, lot, a lot of very good work on in the county board level um, you know Colin has come in there as, 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 as chairman you know he just brought a new energy to it too uh, Kathleen did, did Trojan work there uh, over the years and again as I said earlier it's like the club you, you know you, you do need to have that new blood coming through and um, you know, there's a great emphasis on on development now. So hopefully, we can we can um, uh, again get the clubs behind us um, and, and 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 drive the standards over over the next uh, couple of years. Yeah, we were talking to uh, Donald Nolan yesterday, Carlo LGFA secretary, and he kind of alluded to the fact that new blood is essential, and this season is very much kind of a. a, a 
a way for a platform for people to come into the team considering the defeat to Offaly last weekend you may have been at the game with London today unfortunate defeat there as well at the at the hands of London but is it would you share the same sentiments that it's a very much a building block kind of season Oh yeah, it, it, yeah, absolutely. You know, you're 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 going to have to be able to bring through true players and and players that come in with the you know the first year or two. It is a step up, step up in in in, in fitness levels and um, and and then just just the intensity. Uh, you know, the play conditions were were very very difficult there today. Uh, in, in Dr. Collins, the pitch was in great order for um for for, for the conditions uh, attesting to to, to to the officials and the people involved in Carlo GA that that managed to get it playable. But um but there was a very Strong wind blowing down the pitch, and um, you know, just coming up probably in the second quarter, Carlo had a, a few minutes there where, where London kicked down and kicked four or five points and kind of opened up a bit of a gap. But they had it back. Carlo had it back, I think, to uh, three points at one stage in the second half, and uh, you know, um, just just didn't make the breakthrough. But London are London are, are uh, you know a very good side, I, I think. It shows with the fact that they've actually competed in the National League this year. You know, I, I think in the case they obviously know they have a good team and are probably going to push to to, to uh, see how they can get on in, in the, the Junior Championship this year. So, um, very good game in in, in, in the conditions. But uh, you know, both in the end, London were deserving winners. Yeah, great to be at Netwatch as well. But it's very much a, a kind of a, a building season for Ed Burke and his management team. But just from a, a perspective of O'Loughlin, there's quite a few starters, I believe, in the Carlow team from O'Loughlin. Today, more again amongst the substitutes. Do you take much pride when you get to see that someone uh, who is as devo- devoted so much time to the club, seeing these players get to represent the county? Um, oh yeah, over the years, like we we would be big believers that actually. Uh, it's important that girls who are good enough to be in with the county should be in there from the point of view of actually because we, we just again think it, it, it drives standards. Uh, you know, they, they, uh, you know, you can think you're 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 a very good player at, at playing at your own level, and then you you, you step up, and uh, that served us well over, over the last number of years. Um, you know, we've had you know generally have had good representation in there uh, at, at all age groups, so. We would always be encouraging girls. Um, I mean, I was involved myself back for a number of years at, at uh, under 16, um, minor, and, and then the adult team in 17 and 18. And um, um, you know, very, very important that uh, we would always say that to all clubs all over the county and players. Uh, you know, if you're good enough to be in there, you know, if it's possible, uh, you know, you, you, you should be in with your county set up because uh, there's no question you're getting exposed to, uh, you know good coaches and uh, you know it proves your fitness levels and, and you just you know it's most of the time you're going to be a better player if you're actually in there the more, the more football you play at a higher level um, the, the better football you're going to be well thanks so much for taking the time with us Bart and speaking with us today uh, once again congratulations on the award as well well deserved and no doubt we'll be speaking to you again in the coming few months sir And finally, we heard from Kilkenny LGFA PRO Alina Byrne on claiming the PRO of the Year Award. Hi, Shane. Thanks a million for having me on today. You're very good. It's an absolute pleasure and it must have been an absolute pleasure to be nominated or to win the award in the end. Yeah, so, yeah, the LGFA started these awards back in 2015 to recognise volunteers around the country. And Kilkenny, we'd never won it in any category. So, really, for the whole of Kilkenny to recognise, because I think the PRO 
awards. Um, like, I mean, I can't promote anything unless there's good things going on on the ground around all of the clubs on a county level with the different um, age groups. So I'm just promoting the good work that's going on and to win the award for that category I think is this really good representation of the whole of Kilkenny and the awards themselves, like we had the ceremony last weekend in Crow Park, it was just an honour to be there. It was like after I was in Crow Park, the ceremony was brilliant and Dahi um, O'Shea was the MC, so he had us all feeling very comfortable there on the night and happy it was, it was a great event <laughs> Yeah you mentioned the work that's uh, gone into the background um, into growing the sport in Kilkenny over the last year it's just been phenomenal getting to watch it with Kilkenny LGFA becoming more active online than ever how important is that for the sport to grow? Yeah, I think, you know, and I took on the role of PRO about three, three years ago, but I've, I'm also the PRO in Dunhamag and with my own club here as well. And the um, importance of being um, uh, visible online has never been more important. And that, 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 that part of the PRO role has grown and grown in the last few years. And I suppose three years ago, there weren't many PROs in the different clubs in Kilkenny. But uh, now every club in Kilkenny, LGFA club, has a PRO, and that's why you'll notice even more visible presence. And we all know that the youth of the country, of the world, are all online now, and that's where they get their information from. And we uh, need to target every audience. Yeah. And we do so by target, targeting all the different um, online platforms. The number of initiatives over the last year to help grow the sport, uh, there's been quite a few. Do you feel like you have set something in motion that could pay huge dividends for the sport for years to come. Yeah, well, we're lucky that the LGFA has um, many nationwide-run initiatives that we've been lucky enough in Kilkenny to be part of. Even here in Dunhamagan, when we set up a few years ago, we had the Gaelic for Girls, which launched our club. And we had, like, zero girls there when we set up seven years ago. And now we have over 200 members, which was we got 60 originally from that Gaelic for Girls initiative, which, as I said, was, was run by the LGFA. And other clubs around Kilkenny have had the opportunity to run that as well, and the Gaelic for Teens initiative. And... Um, at the moment, I suppose, at the minute we're concentrating on our county scene because our under-14s, our under-16s and our minors are, have had their trials and their preparation at the moment, their training. And we've actually never had so many girls involved at those age groups that we've had this year interested. Um, our under-14s are actually supposed to play yesterday their first championship game. It's kind of a blitz format this year. Um, but it was called off, unfortunately, due to the weather. But we actually, because of the numbers, who are showing such interest and the skill level showed to us at the trials we had to make two panels out of that age group this year so it's just superb to see and especially you know, the, the teenage girls there it's superb to see that age group so interested and so on board um, coming through yeah, because when we spoke before, you did mention the importance of teenage girls in particular getting the opportunity to train and play, particularly with their county. Do you think that change of mindset at board level has been imperative in getting more girls involved? Yeah, and I think um, it's nice for the girls to come together um, at county level and, and learn from each other and um, to upskill in that way. And I heard uh, Barton, which are there earlier as well, you saying the same thing. I mean, you, you grow as a player uh, when you're put under a little bit more pressure and a bit more competitive nature there uh, with the county level. Um, but also, we have a fantastic initiative, which will be uh, rolled out in Kilkenny for the very first time this year, which is on the less competitive side also of inviting any girl born in 2009 with their club to come in and play with um, 
it's called a player um, development programme and they're going to come in and just playing no matter what it doesn't matter your ability as long as you're an LGBT player in Kilkenny and you're born in 2009 you'll be invited in to do six to eight sessions with coaches from around the county and then have a fun blitz at the end with perhaps other um, groups that are doing the same in, in around Leinster in other counties. So even though it's important for the girls to come together as a county competitively, it's also very important that there are lots and lots and lots of girls playing the sport who don't actually play it for the competitive reason. They play it for fun, for friendship, for fitness, and just to be part of a team sport. That, yeah, that sounds absolutely brilliant. But speaking about the competitive side of things, in some way, is the biggest challenge to find a way to retain a higher percentage of players as they become older so that Kilkenny have even more of a competitive adult team. Yeah, that's exactly it. The more that we can get interested and involved playing at our county level and coming together uh, at a young age, and the more investment that's put in there at the younger ages, which has started happening in the last couple of years around the clubs, then I would say even just as early as two years ago, there mightn't have been many clubs that cater for, say, under sixes or under eights. They all maybe started at under 10 maybe or under 12 but now I would think I'd say 8 out of our 10 clubs all now do have a nursery programme running which is hugely important to get the girls at the young age playing the sport and loving it Yeah you mentioned in the clubs in there and you mentioned the word importance how important is it for clubs to do their part around the county because you're, you're usually reliant on them putting the right structures in place for players to blossom are you? Yeah you are and um we, I know I've spoken to you before about our, we have a three-year plan in place for Kilkenny and it's taken a little bit of time to put together because of COVID, of course, like anything else, they put a little bit on hold, but it's practically there now and the clubs have had such input into that and to the different structures going forward and we have lots of different com- committees set up uh, because of that plan and one of the committees is on participation and getting more people involved in the clubs, helping the clubs and it's because of the clubs that... Um, players are, are, are coming more on board and growing. The clubs are growing because of the good work going on uh, with the, the coaches and the executives around the, the county as well with the clubs. Yeah, you, you mentioned that three-year plan there. From your own perspective, where would you like to see Kilkenny LGFA within the next three or indeed five years? Yeah, um, good question. I suppose... Um, uh, first and foremost, I mean, uh, you might hear a lot of people saying you want more clubs, more clubs, but you, you do have to concentrate as well on the clubs that you have and keeping them, keeping them growing and keeping them um, getting more players into in in playing with them. So I think what I'd like to see is growth in participation numbers first and foremost in the clubs that we have there at the moment, um, as in maybe them offering more Gaelic for Mothers there. We have had a, a big increase in that around the county as well. It's actually last year with three new Gaelic for Mothers clubs just spouted out of nowhere um, offering, you know, for women age 25 plus to come out on a weekly basis and play the sport and get involved that way, which is brilliant for the sport. Um, other things I'd like to see would be on I suppose the more competitive county level we would like to see our adults team of course junior team uh, reform and uh, be back in place definitely in, in three years Wait, Do you find that there's a much a crossover with Camogie uh, within the county at all? Yeah of course there is yeah absolutely my own daughter she plays both she's a dual player and she enjoys both equally and um, it's and we, it's managed excellently here anyway between Dunham Magan and the various clubs that the girls play with and there's a huge crossover I, I coach actually under 14s here in Dunham Magan and there's we counted there last year 
there was 18 girls who played both camogie and football and we look we've never had a, a problem with it and we're supporting both sides and it's just great to see the girls playing these team sports and uh, actually they get to know each other so well for playing both sports together that it adds that particular group I'm with last year they won their under 12 camogie final and their football final so yeah it really paid dividends for us here anyway in our community. Yeah, do you reckon then with I remember the whole kerfuffle in regards to the Cork team and the dual players with Hannah Hannah Looney Libby Coppinger Fiona Keaton Maeve Callahan and Kira McCarthy representing both uh, the football side of things and the camogie side of things and there was obviously a clash in there and now that's going back nearly two years ago at this stage but yeah. you seem to be able to manage in that uh, quite well well we're, we're, yeah, look, it's managed. It's, it can be managed very, sorry, can be managed very well in some instances, but you will hear other examples where it's perhaps not managed as well. But I think in comparison to how it was managed perhaps five years ago, we've come on hugely here in Kilkenny and there's great respect being shown between the camogie and the football managers at county level and at club level now, which is it's just brilliant to see. And look, it's never been more prevalent than ever. Uh, People talking about amalgamation. We've seen it with the GPA. We've seen it with various clubs adopting the one club rule. Do you reckon that's on the horizon then in the future or in the near future indeed? Yeah. um, Look, I think there's a lot of discussion to go on before it'll be, it'll be, it'll be, set in place but I, I do know from my own perspective like we feel part of the GA club here at Dunhamagan anyway and I would say a lot of LGFA clubs would say that they already they feel part of the structure already it's the same families involved it's the same you know, families helping with with, with all the clubs. It already feels like a family to me anyway but it, that, you know what that, that's really up to the what happens at the top, you know, and their discussions going forward. Yeah, we were talking to Hilda Breslin, uh, obviously the Camogie Association president there recently. She, everybody we seem to talk to thinks it's a good idea. And uh, even seeing the likes of Carlo out in Netwatch Cullen Park today against London, it was just tremendous to see. And it's great to see the sport continuing to grow in both counties, in Kilkenny and Carlo. Elena, once again, congratulations on that award. You should feel super proud. The website looks fantastic. There's constant updates in regards to minor panels being announced or anything that has been going on within Kilkenny LGFA we know that you're getting behind it and getting that information out there so thanks very much for all the hard work that you're doing and keeping us informed not just the scoreline in KCLR but within the wider community Thank you very much Shane thank you That's all for now. Don't forget you can tune into the live show every Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m.